0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of the Pragmatic Investor. Today I had the pleasure of speaking with Ryan Wilday. He is the founder of Crypto Waves on Seeking Alpha and an expert on Elliott Wave Theory. Now I've actually been following Ryan's work for quite some time as I also often use Elliott Wave Theory and it was great to get the chance today to talk about the intricacies of this theory and what Ryan's thoughts are on crypto, stocks and the economy in general. As always, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. All right, so I'm joined today by Ryan Wilday and the founder of CryptoWaves. Obviously the name quite self-explanatory there. Uh, so the first two questions might be quite uh, obvious. So let's start with the crypto part of it. When did you first hear about uh, crypto or more likely bitcoin oh,
1: what is a, it yeah. about
0: it that made you go say ahead. okay this is something that i'm interested in
1: yeah i mean i think i have to go back before crypto because it gave me kind of that gives a kind of context to why um why i would be interested in such a thing um i was uh so i i had i, had, I have a degree in industrial design so i was an industrial designer starting i graduated from uh, my with my design degree in 1999 and uh I've been, I've been through consulting and i've had some lead positions in in various um companies and uh but it was interesting because uh i was you know i came out of school in 1999 and that's when we had the technology ray you know stock rage in the united states a lot of people were day trading in my design office that mm-hmm. I that my first first one that i worked at and so um from there i, I started a, a deep interest in trading and uh it, you know from whether it be from a fundamental perspective or tech technical analysis perspective doesn't matter um and uh i basically failed in those first couple years um but i kept going i and i kept the learning process going and um as fast forward to 2012 uh, i was working for samsung samsung uh samsung design america which is the, was a, one of the design offices in the united states in downtown san francisco and one of the guys that worked for us was a, a, a programmer from from sweden and uh he, you know he, he just simply asked me a simple question have you ever looked at bitcoin we we're talking about trading and investing if you ever looked at bitcoin I'm like what the heck is bitcoin and so he explained it to me and i so i started first by looking at charts because that's what the the that's the frame of mind i was in and honestly the the chart was so volatile i didn't even understand it i was like how could something move like that and i made an assumption that it was a bubble and this was just before the mount mount gox um hack so uh it, you know, I didn't buy any, it crashed, came down to eventually in, in the hundreds, right? From 1200 USD down to, 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 I think it was like 130 or something like that. And I said, well, you know, you know, but I kept watching it cause it was just still fascinating. And, um, at, the first thing I did was start to mine and actually mined Litecoin as well. I bought a little mm-hmm. ASIC miner and I was like, man, I'm scared to buy this, but, uh, let's see how much it costs to mine. And I don't. I probably spent about four hundred dollars on a little ASIC miner, um, which was you know doable at the time. And now we're paying like you know. So I, I don't buy miners or six or. I'd rather trade six or seven thousand dollars for a miner. You know, um, mm-hmm. of course, Bitcoin's higher too. So anyway, yeah, that was kind of the gist. And I think the le- so it was a trading asset. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't doing a whole lot of trading back then. I was more mining, doing some selling. I think on the whole mining operation thing, I lost money. Um, I, you know, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't have a handle on the price action. Uh, At the same time, I was, you know, I think at the time my best investment was Tesla stock. I mean, I had at that time made a lot of money off Tesla stock. So I was, you know, was trading, but I just wasn't trading crypto per se. Um, I over time, I started to really understand the value of decentralized networks. You know, I I was rabbit holing slowly, but surely um, decentralized networks, you know, understanding the, the, you know, monetary freedom, you know, and going on Mm -hmm. and on. So I'm a lot more philosophical about Bitcoin now, even though it's also still a trading asset. It also belongs in my portfolio as a as a as a long term hold as well. So I have you know, sort of both portfolios. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I uh, actually actually what got me into the trading services. Um, I was actually very interested in Ethereum because I I, I I sort of understood smart contracts more um, uh, more essentially like more philosophically as mm-hmm. a as a means to create decentralized financial service. And Bitcoin at the time had no inkling of that 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 opportunity or that capability, and so um, I was trading. You know, some people know Ether Delta. I made trades on Ether Delta in 2016. Um, you know, uh, you know, basically that was like the early DEX for Ethereum. I think it wasn't even that decentralized when it came down to it. But um, for people say, you know, I have no idea. But it was I was basically interacting via smart contract. So. Um, and i and i was asked to join LA Wave traders actually uh, dot is actually our home site i uh, seeing alpha is sort of a sister service and i was asked to join that team the analyst team for elite wave trader because i was a member and i was posting um, ethereum analysis and got a little bit of a following and then you know they actually a lot of the team was anti-crypto but mm-hmm. eventually they saw the interest in it right and like well you know there's got to be a service if there's this much interest so so um, I was asked to form that. Eventually, it swallowed my my design career and turned it into a trading career. But um, yeah, that's kind of history. And that's that. That was uh, that was two thousand seventeen. So now we're going six years where I've uh, basically left the corporate life, left corporate design life.
2: Okay, cool.
0: So so that was um, a long, that
1: was a long winded long winded uh, journey. But yeah.
0: Well, you know, you have to get the information out there. Would it be fair to say then that uh, you saw? So, Bitcoin more as a trading vehicle first, and then kind of uh, also subscribe to it in the more fundamental sense.
1: For for sure, yeah, I just saw it as a vehicle to short-term profits. To be honest, <laughs> in the I mean, that's that was my mindset. Um, I mean, I you know, I, even in stocks, I would have do short-term trading, and long-term trading, and because I was work a day, often it, it, things would end up being long-term. I didn't have really deep trading skills, but I just saw, I I understood volatility, I understood. Um a little bit of technical analysis it was hard to wrap my mind around Bitcoin from a fundamental perspective for a long time, probably at least until until the height of two thousand seventeen even even as we were rolling into the high of 2018, 7 2017-18 so I was still thinking of it as a capability question, and you still had ethereum with more capabilities quote unquote mm-hmm. and i didn't have the philosophical um belief in decentralized networks and um you know um uh you know you know censorship issues of censorship in, in transactions and so but now i'm deep in. you know i deep i have that as a you know as i watch politics evolve in the united states i it just deepens my conviction around those concepts but um no i was i mean and it still is a trading vehicle for me but it, i would say the other side deepened quite a bit over the last few years
0: mm-hmm. yeah like, and like you say the those charts i mean there's a some some beautiful charts you can see. there and you can just see how much uh, how much potential there is in some of them as a as a trader. Right. Now, in terms of trading, uh, so how did you get started with trading? And kind of the same question: What is it that got you into uh, Elliott Wave theory?
1: Um, oh man, that's, you're going you're, getting, you're going way back. Um, <laughs> uh, so again, I got I got interested in trading. I mean, really as really as okay, I had this little design salary, and this was back when design salaries were low, low, low. I mean, there was a kind of a design renaissance around, you know, um, uh, where design belonged in the corporate world. After I got into the career, which was great for me, but in the early days, we had very low salaries. I mean, you would be better off being an accountant or even a waiter at a restaurant, honestly, um, uh, at least in the United States. And so, um, and so, I was looking at supplemental income, and so um, I had had stock classes in school and i just it was just one of those concepts that i was like man people are doing it then why can't i i just i'm always a person like that if someone's mm-hmm. doing it why can't i until i find my limitations and so i just got very interested and um it's also uh trading technically is very visual and again i'm a designer like that means i see patterns mm-hmm. and so there's an aspect of of trading i think is natural designers i i know other designers i've taught how to trade and they have a, a natural proclivity to see these patterns and and um consider what they may mean and um where some people need you know they need to know know the cash flow of a company and they think of it from an accounting perspective right mm-hmm.
2: and so um
1: and I have that capability too I, I got an MBA later like I'm fine with all the fundamental stuff you know because I got a secondary degree in business but but um, I'm still a technical trader at, at a core um and then elliott wave uh, again I was um when I struggled early in trading and I discovered technical analysis again because of design, designing I, took to it um and i was just reading everything graciously from like what's a cup and handle uh mm-hmm. to head and shoulders all those old style patterns and um i found i, I don't know how i got the book the elliott Wave principle so we're talking sometime around 2021 sorry 2001 so over 20 years ago picked it up uh it talks about waves that move in five you know trends move in five waves they corrected three Okay that's a very simple concept but all I had to do was look at a chart to say that was true at least the, in some some level it was but it was very very difficult to um to apply mm-hmm. and um one day I saw this guy Albie Gilbert he is now kind of for not for you know he's um the most probably the, one of the more well-known Elliott wave analysts out there and um I was following his his calls on the S&P 500 index a little bit on gold on marketwatch.com reading. And I was just, it was just crazy how almost predictive he was. And I was Mm -hmm. like, man, I could just read this guy's articles and make money. It's he's like, you know, and and we have a, we have a way of saying, you know, okay, this blue box is the purchase zone. Mm Starts breaking below the blue box. So we color code, code our wave patterns, expectations. And, you know, I don't like to say that call them predictive because we get plenty of breaks. But the point is, is we can very, very clearly measure our risk and so he was doing that on his charts and so eventually I joined the site elitewavetrader.net um, you know I was trading stocks and options and futures and all sorts of I have a long history in derivative trading again as a as an industrial designer I mean I'm basically trading derivatives as well uh, I had a certain level of experience on that I was applying that to what he was posting as well as the rest of the team and eventually I started learning the technique um, we have a we have um, we have tutorials we have it. We, we call it a beginner's circle where we teach. You know, people want to learn it. We just say, "Go read the book," which is the St. The Elliott Principle, which is mm-hmm. by by Richard uh, by Prector, which is not. Uh, he's not our one of our staff members. He's, you know, he's been around a lot longer than Avi. And then, okay, now join beginner's circle, which is a free part of the site, and you know, take in the tutorials, and, and we'll get. in And uh, my colleague Jason gives um, gives chart assignments to people and helps them through that analysis technique but i think more importantly is how to trade it cuz analysis is one thing right? mm-hmm. people think analysis you get perfect analysis you got perfect trading that's not the case right you trading because you're dealing with probability you have to learn how to trade so that's the other thing to do as well mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of the history i mean yeah again got into the theory learned it on the site became went from member to staff again uh, because i was um in a good position to start a crypto service within our within our services and then um yeah it's gone
2: gone from there yeah it's pretty cool
0: yeah, it's very interesting.
2: Yeah, I've
0: actually been i uh, I've been a uh, been following Avi and your own work for for quite some time. I often uh, use Elliott Wave analysis uh, as well in my own uh, my own work at, at Seeking Alpha. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question would be though. Um, I mean, obviously, I've I've seen Elliott Wave work quite well, like you say. Other times, maybe not so much, like you said. Okay. There's other stuff to it. Um, I mean, obviously, the stuff you do is very purely centered on Elliott Wave. I wonder how much you uh, think about fitting other technical analysis into like Elliott Wave and combining those two, or if you like think about it as just something standalone that has to work by itself, or well, I, other
1: indicators. I don't. I don't consider. It's interesting. It's an interesting question because I think I probably answer it different for other people. I don't think of. Uh, I think Elliott Wave is very good as. A way to cover a lot of charts especially for myself as a person running a service and to mm. and to quickly identify risk reward on the chart or to quickly say this chart's trendless and mm. there really isn't much advantage unless you've got like a range trading i mean i, I would say most Elliott wave traders are trend traders versus or they trade pullbacks within trends they're not like a range trader which i think is a completely different skill and if i was doing range trading i would not use Elliott wave if i was that was the type of trader i was and I have, I have, I have members of the service that, um, trade that way. And I, you know, by all means, ha- you know, you know, and, and teach if you feel like it using the site, but, um, but you know, it, it, so my point is L-Wave is not the be all end all, but I also use a lot of quants. So I've, I've, done, I've programmed some scripts and I use a little bit of machine learning to, um, and I, so I do it less on seeking alpha cause I don't have the platform to do it so much. We've got one algo there, but I've got some quantitative algos that have been highly successful that I deployed on Elliott wave trader and they have nothing to do with Elliott wave. And it's funny cause some members say like, okay, you're, you're, you're bearish Elliott wave wise. Um, but your algo says go long. And I just simply have my Elliott wave account and my, my, my quant account. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're together and sometimes they're not, but the point is they're a different edge and you know, mm-hmm. each of them are going to have a win ratio, right? That's unique. Uh, sometimes that might share the same trade or have the same trade without, without different parameters. But um, I like having multiple edges in markets, and and I was, I'll tell you the algos do much better in choppy markets because Elliott Wave, you know, when the pattern, when the when the wave patterns are not clean, then you don't really have high probability trades from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And and so a lot of a lot of people don't understand that. But when it comes down to when it comes down to a trade itself, I try to keep the inputs as small as possible. I do not believe the concept that if you throw more inputs inputs into a into a trade and they all agree, it's more probable. Mm -hmm. I think you just I think you just create for yourselves uh, a lot a way too much uh, input on a trade. Like if you're trading the MACD and and RSI, for instance, which are the most simplest indicators anyone ever learns, right? Like you're not going to get much benefit by saying, okay, now I'm going to add ADX and I'm going to add some some uh, you know uh, I don't know volume even I, I don't care what it is. Uh, You're not, you're only going to get start to get diminishing returns at some point, because at some point in time you go from uh, added edge to decision crisis, which is, you know, you have too many inputs to actually make a decision because at any time it's just, you're going to get noise, right? Mm -hmm. Decision noise. So uh, even, even when I'm doing machine learning stuff, basically most of the time it has like three or four successful parameters, you know, and it's not going to be a, you know, I don't expect win ratios. In fact, most most of the time, I trade with a fifty percent to fifty five percent win rate. But the point is, my trades because are trend based are often you know three x the risk to reward, right? Or the reward mm-hmm. to the risk, right? That's that's generally how and we call that skew. Often, so I skew my returns, but I but my win ratio. I mean, it can wander. It, I can I can have a thirty percent quarter. I can have a seventy percent quarter. I have those, and quite often I land right in the middle, or you know, mean revert, or whatever you want to call it. So, so, so that's where my, that's my suggestion to a lot of people is I've seen, I've seen members, you know, I've got an algo signal and we know the statistics of this algo. Uh, we have one algo we've had for three years and uh, it's on GBTC, which is the, 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 um, the crappy fund from, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, I should say it's crappy. It's well-designed, but the problem is the, the, the discount thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So since we started the algo that the, the GBTC has lost $3. But the algo itself has got three thirty six three dollars per share versus thirty six dollars per share positive in the algo since 2000, 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay, and quite often it disagrees with Elliott Wave. Quite often, uh, Elliott Wave wins. It doesn't matter. It has its own edge. We have the statistics. I don't. And, and I always tell the members like, if you want to if you want to filter the result, filter your trades in that algo versus what I say in Elliott Wave, you can. But you will miss some winning trades. I guarantee you. You know it happened. And I and I had a guy did, that was doing that straight for like two months, and he said, "Okay, um, you know, I see your point because I just missed <laughs> some big trades." And and again, my point is the point is you know not my algo and showing it off. My point is when you have too many inputs and you're trying to filter your trades too strongly, you basically just I mean, some people call it overfit. You just end up with an overfit that um, isn't robust. And trading and really the notion of trading is best done when you have, you know, a simple strategy you can write maybe in a, you know, maybe write it in three, four, five power, you know, bullet points. This is your strategy. It's Mm -hmm. well tested. And then and then the next thing is when it starts to devolve or lose its edge, you optimize it or you throw it out. And and trading is chasing. And I'm surprised my algo lasted three years and is still killing it. That's not normal. I've had to. I've had to, to um, trash a lot of algos over the years that have had winning runs for a while. And mm-hmm. you, you, have to, you have to, you know, be really honest your trading. But I mean, trading involves constantly evolving your edge. I think the interesting thing about Elliott Wave is that, um, is that it works, but it works if you have the right perspective. It never has lost its edge, but it, but the edge is actually more psycho- psychological because simply we're saying that here's a level of support. And mm-hmm. if we buy and scale and position carefully, in fact, I think Elliott Wave position size is a key part of winning with Elliott mm-hmm. Wave analysis. You know, this is a general turning point. But as I would tell people, you know, when I've got a turning point on my chart, uh, you need a position small until you're very close to that point where it breaks. And if mm-hmm. you position very, sm- if you do that, and your position is not very large until you're at that breaking point, then you your stop mm-hmm. out is, is painless. And mm-hmm. so by doing that, you produce a high skew return. You. you you have, very, you have very few losses on the stop out. And then, oh, if they're working, hey, by the way, it went way up here. And and so that's, that's how Elliott Wave works. Um, you know, I, I think you can get the same thing out of pivot trading or uh, some people trade um, the, the boxes. I don't think of you know the box strategy. Um, uh, sometimes it's called other things sometimes um, uh, like zones and supply demand zones. I mean, I think all of those are yeah. very powerful. Approaches, but if you start mixing them you're 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 just going to have this garbage look strategy that's my that's the main point i'm trying mm-hmm. to kind of build around is simple inputs like simple set of inputs for any trading strategy is the best way to be best way to go
0: yeah I, I definitely see what you mean there that sometimes less is more and um when it comes to elliott wave the idea of risk management i think uh it was one of your charts that i saw once where you would have like um triangle into the support zone, right?
2: Right. Yeah. you would yep. say,
0: yeah, the the closer you get to that resistance area, the more you might increase your position, right? That's more or less level, how it yeah. work.
1: Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, and and again that's the point is is this is where the trade breaks. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, okay, if you if it goes halfway into the triangle and you don't have a full position, there is another setup coming where you can build on it or you can just, hey, learn to be happy. Um, because to be honest, cash left in my account for another opportunity to me is a good thing. You know, I don't always have to have a full position. So that's the hardest thing I have when hardest thing I see in um in, in the people subscribed is to my service, you know, that's coming down. And oh, we didn't get deep into support, so I didn't get that full position. We turned and, and go. That's a good thing. You know, the trade is working. Uh it started early. Okay, fine. Now let's see if we get another setup and pullback that gives you a tighter tighter support level for, uh, for filling the position. And if not, uh, you know, enjoy the profit because, um, you know, we, we didn't have to deal with that psychological challenge where, you know, it's starting to break support, right? That's always a psychological challenge for every trader. I mean, I've been through it a million times now, so it's less so for me, but the only way you get there is going through that. And, um, and yeah, I mean, that trying. I mean, just thinking about trades that way. I mean, actually almost any strategy I'll say, any strategy I'm using, um, I generally have a position system like that. When the trade averts against me a little bit, then there's usually a point where, okay, this is really not working and it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a hard point. But, um, you know, I often enter trades partially. And if the and if the trade goes against you, well, I'm just getting it cheaper. Uh, and it's, again, pre-planned. I'm not averaging down classically where, okay, this trades against me. I'm buying more. This trade's against me. I'm buying more. No, mm-hmm. it's pre-planned this is the area that I'm scaling in and then below this it's the trade is absolutely not working. And I got to stop out completely. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I do that with almost, and again, even in my algos, if the algo says ent- enter and the next bar is down, well that, then I'll enter a little bit more, you know, that often works quite well. And I even set up an al- a recent algo in our service, pretty new. We'll see how it goes long term. but, um, it's, I actually give scale in points along with the algo signal to say, Hey, you know, here's the stop. So that means, you, know, you might want to take some secondary enters if it goes against us for a short period of time, you know, but there are always, there always is a breaking point as long as everyone realizes that.
0: Mm-hmm. Now uh, I wanted to change the subject a little bit, cause you did, uh, you did touch yep. on this uh, briefly. Uh, you talked about the uh, crappy Grayscale Bitcoin trust. And this right. was one of the <laughs> questions I had for you. Um, <laughs> basically. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, GBTC? Um, a GBTC? I mean, you said well, your I, algo tracks it. Is that something that you, you would own um, or would you, you know recommend not owning it
1: uh i you know i was an owner of it and i still i i was an owner for a long time i still own it but i've been cutting my position and mm-hmm. trying to do it gracefully um i mean i think the problem is we lost the mechanism for it to get back to par mm-hmm. and unless it gets turned into a, a spot etf um you know it's not going to happen and i don't mm-hmm. think it's that's going to happen under the current regime in the united states so um especially gary gensler at the sec so um uh i don't think there's a problem with this basic design you know i think that we've seen i mean and again i don't know the inside halls of grayscale investments but i think we've seen them be a good player in terms of custody and all that stuff never mind the genesis issues um, and all of that i mean the grayscale investments itself that subsidiary of of, um, of the company has been good on the custody side we haven't seen them you know they've been one of the largest bitcoin holders in the world and we haven't seen any of that bitcoin leak as far as we know um, so I, I shouldn't call it crappy by design, but, but, uh, I mean what the market has done to it, the arbitragers, um, that were, you know, selling the premium at the, when it first came out. I mean, I, 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 I thought about joining that arbitrage game of, mm. of, uh, you know, giving, you know, you know, getting shares for my Bitcoin and then selling it for premium. I, I was always very tempted to do that, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're just left with a, I mean, we're just, it's like a hobbled asset. I mean. What can you say? I mean, it's, I, I still trade it with my algo, uh, but those are short-term trades, so they really don't count. I still hold a little in my, my um, retirement accounts uh, just to try to get a graceful entry. So I trade it back and forth and make short-term profits off of it um, at various points in time because I have a pretty good handle on the chart most of the time. It's got a little bit scary in 2022, but it's been pretty good this year. Again, the algo helps as well. Mm-hmm. but that but me trading it doesn't say it's a good thing i, I generally tell people uh Bido, b-i-t-o is better uh granted we, everyone has to understand what's inside that which is futures, not spot that's concerning for sure but at least we can say that yeah, hey this is an ass this is an asset that's 99 percent correlated to bitcoin mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis right that's a lot better than saying, okay, you know, really, I mean, GBTC and GBTC has a mind of its own on the market. I mean, there's a relation chart wise, but yeah. it's not a one-to-one correlation. It's like, it's got this mind of its own. And that really is that like 50% discount that's going on inside of it, uh, which, you know, basically you can say half correlated to Bitcoin, right? Half of its uh, half of its uh, uh, market price is due to Bitcoin. The other half is due to the mind of the discounters or yeah. The discount. Itself. Yeah. So I mean...
0: During the more bullish uh, times for Bitcoin, we have seen GBTC trade at a at a premium. Right. Yeah. So are you saying that you don't really believe that that premium would come back, perhaps in the future, and that you know that might be something to play? I I,
1: I think it's possible. We certainly saw it shrunk, but I'm not clear whether it shrunk because of market sentiment, uh, move, you know really around GBTC or if it's simply the SEC lost the lawsuit that Grayscale has um, waged against SEC, and it was excitement over that. I, I think it's, I think it's too early to say, um, uh, I mean, certainly in, in periods of a we saw a very high premium, right? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe at that time we get it, get it back to par. Mm-hmm. I have a really hard time. I mean, what did we get to a hundred percent premium at one point in time? Like back in 2018, I think it was nearly double the value of Bitcoin. And, and someone, someone's going to correct me. I mean, I just remember it being very, very high and um and i i think ethe was even bigger versus ethereum uh but but went into a, a faster slide and so um i think the mechanism for getting there is is a difficult one mm-hmm. i mean you're you're asking you really are asking retailers to move the needle of that thing back to par um you know generally like uh, etns are off a discount to so the nav inside i think it's very it's very similar i mean i, I think you know unless you have if you're a closed end fund and you have nobody buying the shares to arbitrage it, uh, and doing, and, and then basically letting off when it, when it goes to premium, I and mean, really, you don't, you don't have a managed nav. You don't have a mechanism for it to crawl back up. And so, um, I think it's, I just think it's a difficult one. You know, like I, I've, I've been thinking to myself, is there any way to arbitrage this so we can help it along? Cause you really need arbitrage as a mechanism, mm-hmm, you know, right. that's how things find fair value. They found fair value by, by arbitrage. And I, I just don't, I don't see the mechanism. I don't see the, 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 um, the incentive to do that in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Yes. It might be the retailers. It might be retailers getting so excited, but now you have a competitor by And you, now you have other, uh, trust fund competitors as well. Like, uh, I can't remember the names of the funds. I don't have not Never ever traded them, but there are other, other with the same design. And so now you got to spread that market, that, um, that money around. And, and, uh, I'm just not sure real t- retailers are able to do that right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, now in terms of the best way of owning Bitcoin, I mean obviously if you're trading and stuff you need to probably use those exchanges, but I guess you would also maybe subscribe to the idea of uh, the older uh, the old saying not your keys not your crypto.
1: Sure, yeah, no for sure. I have I have dedicated Ethereum and Bitcoin holdings that are multi-sig off, you know, not not on exchanges, you know, I got the keys. Um I mean I'm always evaluating my security you know it's it for sure and yeah so i differentiate my trading assets versus my my long-term assets and, mm-hmm. and everything i'm trading is and in fact i you know even more and more i'm trading cme futures because you know out of my brokerage account and then to hedge my bitcoin holding so i'm sometimes trading that way so i'm not even touching mm-hmm. the exchanges at all
0: now i wanted to get back into elliot web because of course that's something that uh, i've also uh, uh, looked at a lot mm-hmm. and um there's why well, i wouldn't quite quite a debate but where do you stand on the idea of uh using logarithmic versus arithmetic charts
1: when uh i don't even i i know crypt- crypto you cannot see the waves properly in a linear period mm-hmm. like you really can't like uh, anyone take take a take a um take a a bitcoin chart put it in linear on a weekly chart mm-hmm. and you see mountains right yeah mm-hmm. and if you put it in a, a, a log chart you see a clear trend, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Like I, I you, Elliott wave is a trend analysis at a core. I think that plays out in actually every, every asset. I, I only, when I feel a little different is, is 4X because they tend mm-hmm. to be actually ABC structures. They tend not to be five wave structures except for a short period of time. And they tend to be sort of nested ABC structures. Um, so it's not even really a pure Elliott wave you get in 4X most of the time. But, um, but a linear chart tends to work also because the function of how important Log linear is a function of how volatile the asset is. Mm-hmm. If something, if if a third wave, tends you know, you can have a, uh, uh, you can, have, you know, in crypto, you, you, well, let's say take a take a uh, non-volatile stock, and its third wave coming up might get you, might get you thirty percent return, and then the third wave in Bitcoin, like we really get, uh well, even just the fifth wave up to one hundred twenty-five K, which is my target, uh, that is now what four or five X. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, close to, close to that, right. That, um, if you put the, if you use fibs, the way we use it, you will not get a projection anywhere close to 125 K. Yeah. And, and the only only reason we get 125 K is because we use linear log fibs, but it has, it has played out. Uh, it has played out for, um, for years for me and, and I'll use a, a clear story, so uh, this is back when I was really trading Ethereum more than Bitcoin in 2016, and um, and I was I was a member of Elliott Wave Trader, not a not a not on staff, mm-hmm. and um, I was get I was still learning Elliott Wave at a at a at a deep level, and I was using linear Fibs, and I was, we were coming off out of the so we had the Dow hack, and then Vic, I don't remember what the the low was six or seven dollars in 2016, I don't remember something like that, and then it broke out at ten dollars. And I used linear fibs, and um, the fibs, and I, and I had projected a target of I think thirty bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got to thirty bucks, and I saw you. There's a lot of technical, typical technical things you see at fifth wave targets. One, mm-hmm. it didn't look like it had even finished the third. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, it didn't have any of the technical aspects that you would expect near a top. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, it, and then I had a fib target, and it kind of started to zoom past it. Mm-hmm. And then at that same time, one of our members did a really deep dive down on the very important aspects of log fibs. Like you, if you do linear fibs on the S and P five hundred over the last hundred years, it won't work. At least, yeah. not if you use fibs and fib targets the same way we do. Um, you can do, you can use linear on a shorter time frame, but you can't do it on a hundred year chart. Mm-hmm. Um, right. the, 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 light, the 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 span. So he he went through the hundred year chart of the S and P five hundred and showed the importance of log fibs and and. And, and the point is, is that let's say you're t- looking at the 1.618 extension, it, in, in log, it will mean the same thing on every time frame, meaning mm-hmm. you, can, you can do a five-minute chart, 10-minute chart, 15-minute chart, and if you're using log fibs, you get similar hits of fibs at any time frame. If you're working on linear, all of a sudden on the long-term chart, you got to talk 500, you know, 500 extension, 600 extension, and it just doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. if you're trying to stick to a method to right. start to have, no you're basically apples to oranges on on your fib extensions mm-hmm. that's the main point and you, no one's going to get this on the podcast if they're not deep into Elliott but um but you can you can apply the method by time frame so anyway my point was after that talk um i was like holy crap i take the same setup i apply it in log i don't get 30 as a target but the next big fib is 1300 and then after that is like two thousand, and mm-hmm. after that twenty five hundred. Now, um, I maintain that Ether broke down after a C wave in mm-hmm. two thousand seventeen. It did not give us a full five waves. That mm-hmm. can be debatable, but or you can say that um, you can even say that it's working on its fifth wave now. But re- regardless, and I challenge that notion too. But irregardless, the next key fib was thirteen hundred, right? Mm-hmm. Where did we top? I and mean, we was like thirteen fourteen hundred, right? in two thousand in two thousand seventeen, something like I don't remember exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, or I think it, it went into two thousand eighteen when Bitcoin topped in two thousand seventeen. I would have never been long between thirty and fourteen hundred, but I was, if I had not had that realization, if I had not been on the log chart.
2: Mm-hmm. I would have
1: I mean seventeen hundred in terms of percentile gain, uh I have never outdone in my life yet, in terms mm-hmm. of a yearly gain, right? I won't even talk about it. Uh mm-hmm. it was life changing. 2017 was life changing. Now I, you know, I, I didn't, I, I knew it was, I knew we had come into a top in Bitcoin. I was running the service. I had lots of coins and all these all wallets because I was secure back then. And I, I think at one point in time, I lost uh, six figures over uh, 24 hours because I was just moving coins out of wallets and covering my service. So I, I, I wish I could say it was, you know, I mean, it was life changing at the same time. If I wasn't moving all those coins around, it could have been, ever more life-changing. But regardless, <laughs> regardless, my point is, because uh, I don't want everyone to think, I, you know, I, I, I made myself ultra-wealthy at that time, but my point is I would have been out of Ether at 30 if I was using linear Fibs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I would have just gone home, and I would say, okay, we're near a top, and then I just would have watched it, zoom all the way up to four mm-hmm. figures. And instead, I got out at 30, I saw that guy's article, I went back to my Fibs, I went to log, and I said, holy crap, and I went very long. <laughs> so anyway,
0: it's good thing you saw that article that yeah changed you changed change your life. Now the reason I was asking is because I think when you do use the um the log um like for example looking at Bitcoin now depending on how you uh how you measure certain structures I feel like you get uh very bullish outcomes which I do, sometimes I feel like are not very realistic you know you get like Bitcoin going into like five hundred k or even a million yep. Is that something,
1: or are you just like, well, that's it, th- those are the fibs? Uh, I, well, what I always tell people is those are, those are the moon counts. Now, I would, I would say I would say we've seen over, the, since I started in 2017, we've seen Bitcoin hit all its major fibs. Yeah. So, so, so it, it's, uh, with Bitcoin, it's, it's harder to challenge. But I would say um, with, with shitcoins or altcoins, whatever you want to call it, even Ethereum, we've seen it miss those big targets. Mm-hmm. um uh and i and, and i don't chalk that up as Elliott wave isn't working no because Elliott wave also told me when they were going to miss and told me to get out right to cut my positions so mm-hmm. it works it works as a risk management tool whether you hit your, your targets or not whether the support holds or not that's just important like you know i trust the supports from Elliott wave and when they break that's important i got to cut my position or get out depending on what support we're dealing with so um Is Bitcoin always going to hit those fibs? You know, I really can't say, right? Like, I mean, I I think Elliott Wave has some predictive qualities, but I've seen enough targets miss. I've seen enough, especially shit coins. You know, you think they're going to go five waves. They top in the third wave, aka C wave, and then they Mm -hmm. die, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, so the, just the, you know, that's okay with me because I trade those C waves, you know, I trade the C waves and I, I, I get as much juice out of them as I can before they start to fail. Um, I mean that's how I trade, and, I, and over the time, over over time, I've grown very realistic about what we can get out of an altcoin before mm-hmm. they die. Um, I, you know, I, even with Ethereum, I'm very realistic about my pro- projections projections going forward. In Ether, I have very bullish ones. I expect ten thousand five hundred right now in the current cycle. As long as one thousand holds, mm-hmm. but um, and again, it's always if this, then that. But um, I'm also realistic that because it's popped, in my view, a C-Wave in 2018, Elliott lo- Wave loses a little bit of its value. And it's a little bit easier to trade Ether on a shorter time frame than that major weekly chart where Bitcoin has just hit every milestone in its week in its weekly chart. And, um, you know, it takes about it takes about a break of like three thousand dollars to like say I'm not getting a million, you know, it takes a break of 3000 for me to doubt a million. And the mm-hmm. thing I don't say is by when, right. Cause maybe right. a million comes when I'm, when I'm 80 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think, I think, I think the point is, is that I treat, I treat LA, I treat long-term counts as a roadmap mm-hmm. to help me work in and work the trade at a lower level. And then, you know, okay, that'd be nice. I'm not holding any altcoin out for its crazy moon targets no i'm trading smaller time frames i'm snapping off three x's five x's sometimes i gotta get out after 30 percent. sometimes i gotta get out at a small loss i'm working on smaller time frames and then yes if it if after it does x y and z and it sets up again okay now let's talk about the next target right it's Mm -hmm. just it's just swing trade by swing trade so just to be realistic because i've seen way too many altcoins especially fail um and, and again again ether to me was a big failure in 2017 people may not think it that way but from an LA perspective in my perspective depends on, i mean i can i can my colleague jason sees the fifth wave as now uh, mm-hmm. i have already seeing it for various reasons okay that's fair you know i can i can give that to him but i i think it should have happened in not you know maybe 2018 and it was just it's it's i think there's an exogenous thing that happens in crypto it's that bitcoin sucks the liquidity out right as soon as right. As soon as Bitcoin tops, all the liquidity starts jumping out of the market, and then altcoins can't go anywhere. And I, I think that's what happens mm-hmm. with altcoins. They're they're great as long as Bitcoin is performing. Um, now, you know, maybe one day they stand on their own, but I think it'll be very few that stand on their own over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you're saying that um, because of that failed move in 2017, where do you stand now on Ethereum? You see that going lower?
1: No, because no, no. I, 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 I I'm bullish on Ethereum. I, mm-hmm. I see it going to ten thousand five hundred. I'm only saying that. When you're dealing with ABCs structures, as and again that, that can be challenged.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Dealing with ABC structures, the predictive quality is of Elliott Wave analysis reduces a bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm very reluctant to say after 10.5 what the target should be. I'm very much going to say, okay, let's hit 10.5, then let's see where it retraces. Let's see where Bitcoin is, and that'd be a little bit easier to talk about scenarios in the Ether after 10.5. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's because of the ABC structures where Bitcoin is mostly done what I've expected uh since two, since the top in 2018, more even more than that the the bottom in 2018, except that sometimes it took a little slower. Like I would have rather seen it shoot up to 125 just like everybody else mm-hmm, in right. two thousand twenty one. But from an LA perspective, it isn't so bad to take a detour as mm-hmm. long as you don't break support. And it and um, you know, and, and there were two levels of support, 16 K, which you kind of tapped below it, but it's come up. And the second one was, is, is 3000 region. We got others below that, but so is, you know, I, I it, you know, the, the problem the problem is when okay. When you're on Twitter and you post a setup and then someone says that, is, that didn't age well, right. Or you, that one failed
2: mm-hmm. and then,
1: and then they're not paying attention to you anymore. And then you got there like a little bit later. Okay, you know whether uh, the 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 situation there is okay. Either my Elliott wave count was wrong, or it simply it put in another consolidation side. right? And it can be it can be both, right? It depends. It all depends. And that person's gone, right? They're not following you anymore. And that's the funny thing about uh, forecasting, and uh, you know, it's like you know, and and that's why I always avoid time frames because, like I've said, Elliott wave uh Bitcoin has always hit its targets. But uh, if you're picking on some post I made on Twitter at some point in time when Bitcoin was moving very aggressively, that little, you know, smaller time frame may have turned out wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Smaller time frames turn out wrong more often than larger time frames in most, in most um, asset classes. So right. anyway,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely a widespread problem nowadays, uh, judging people on, you know, some yeah. tweet they, they made, you know, and not on the whole content of what they, what yeah. they share.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think I always say my my value is in how to trade Elliott Wave. Mm-hmm. I think I think that you know versus uh at least, you know I usually get compliments on me teaching how to trade and use the analysis versus me being this such a brilliant Elliott Wave analysis that I'm always right, right? Mm-hmm. Like um and I'm more you know. I, I the reality is most professional traders trade close to a fifty percent win rate on a long term basis, right? Mm-hmm. Could be exactly. fifty five, could be fifty three, could be fifty six. Uh, you know, most of the time I would say, you know, quant trading and high frequency trading is different, because um, they, they actually gear that to win rate. But most of us are, you know, I'm more interested in getting close to fifty and then being <laughs> three to one on on my, my returns versus my risk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just it's just more easier to accomplish that, you know. And and you can't do that if you don't take 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 a stop when you need to, you know, I and mean, when you're wrong. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, absolutely. I, I, I that whole thing's funny. <laughs>
0: Twitter, Twitter's is hilarious, yes, especially when yeah. it comes to crypto. Yeah. Um, so now, in terms of Bitcoin, you were saying then, would it be safe to say that until that uh, sort of low that we breached recently is uh, at sixteen k is broken, would you, would you say that the uh, bottom is in, so to speak?
1: As long as that holds, yeah. I mean, actually, now I would say eighteen,
2: because mm-hmm. uh, I mean,
1: it's, it's it's the old like, okay, the you know support needs to move up and right. seven six four retrace of the entire range. I don't think that's a perfect support. But if you take um, it's around 18 where you take the range that we've seen from that 15,500 um, a log, a log 764 is around 18 roughly, um, that's where I would get concerned that I mean it, just probability would say once 764 goes, that's sort of <clears> the <throat> end of the line, and generally the whole the whole position is or the whole structure is invalidated. Just generally, I mean, every once in a while you get a poke below 764, mm-hmm. I've seen Bitcoin go to the 88. but it's very it's like 99 percent of the time if the 764 meters breaks then it's going to take out the low um and so generally i i look often look for a spike in reverse but if we don't get it and we start consolidating below then then i just get i get out of my positions and and that wouldn't mean that i got out of bitcoin it would just mean Mm -hmm. that i cut my aggressive positions because again my you know i i was buying bitcoin down you know as we were going down in 2020 22 but because i knew we were in a bear market i was just buying i I tell people it's generally around like half a percent of my my free cash flow every month right Mm -hmm. like that's a very safe like who cares i'm just adding a bit bitcoin as we go down i'm not Mm -hmm. taking any aggressive long trades in fact i took some shorts along the way that's um very different from saying okay i'm i'm just buying all the way down you know aggressively you know at some point in time you're just going to run out of money and so i you know i'm you know cash management's all key and all that but so if we break, my point is when we break 18K, uh, I'm not gonna get out of my. I I do have like my trading accounts are gonna go to zero, mm-hmm. but I still have my long term, you know, multi sig wallet, cold wallet holding Bitcoin. That's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I will I will focus on adding to that mm-hmm. uh, those cold wallets by buying. You know, I might buy five bucks a day. I might buy a hundred bucks a day. Whatever. You know, whatever my cash flow looks like. I also there's a lot of other asset classes i do classes i do similar it's tech some mm-hmm. you know indexes uh, yeah various stuff and people some people make fun of me because i got into wine investing like a few years ago and it's been very well for me so it, it's um you know there's I, there's a lot of asset classes that are important to me mm-hmm. but um but uh i mean the main the main thing is like cash management you know when you're in a bear market you gotta you gotta slowly manage your cash as you go otherwise you're gonna end up you're gonna have, you know, the worst thing the, so the worst the biggest thing the biggest lesson I learned about trading is I called the bottom in 3000 2018 but I was not in a financial position to fully take care of it to fully mm-hmm. make use of it. I didn't do bad, I did great but like I've always said to myself okay like you know I've asked, since then I've said okay what am I going to do in the in the, bat, the next bear market how am I, I going to get in low mm-hmm. and and my conclusion was I got to be a little bit lazy and just say okay I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold a lot of cash but I'm going to slowly trickle that cash as we go down. Mm-hmm. no aggressive longs, no leverage, you know, in fact, leverage may be applied to the short side to hedge, what I've been accumulating and man, I'm, I'm, I was really, I mean, this is like the third bear market I was, went through in 2022 and I was absolutely happy with my performance. Uh, you know, again, I'm not saying all my calls were perfect. I'm just saying that my trading, um, you know, the acumen of, of, of being really careful was, uh, mm-hmm. it was just excellent. I mean, I, why and so when we were going up, when we came off fifteen five, again, I didn't expect it to come off that, mm-hmm. that, Yeah. We we reached my key support. I figure, you know, but then we started to come up. I was like, well, I'm making money because I had just accumulated into Mm -hmm. that love slowly but surely. Mm -hmm. Had some, had more sats. So, anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as you have that conviction, you've got to be able to just, you know, play the long game and accumulate. Yeah. Now You talk of the, sort of talked a bit about having other investments. And that's also one of the questions that I uh, wanted to ask you because obviously, uh, in terms of analysis and trading, you're a crypto guy. But I would assume that um, you also have some other investments you just mentioned, yeah. for example, the wine. How do you see crypto and Bitcoin fitting into like a more diversified portfolio for investments?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I have. A, I mean, I gave my whole, all my members like uh like a, a whole webinar devoted to how I look at portfolios. Mm-hmm. So I look at asset class. I mean, cash has got to be an asset, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got to have ca- cash. Yes, cash is losing value, but how are you gonna take take charge of opportunities without cash, right? Um, I have. Uh, I don't. Re- I have not classically viewed bonds as an asset class, but with in a high interest rate environment, they are great. Mm-hmm. so i have been buying bonds of late because as soon as they drop interest rates those bonds are going to fly and then i'll probably be done with them as soon as they get back to zero rates in the united states which i imagine we will again <laughs> uh, the way if we got fed anything like what we have today um mm-hmm. uh, so so now bonds is added to that um like uh general stocks so tech index uh, nasdaq and uh and then small caps um the russell 2000 as well as spx you know to keep it simple for some people i just say spx you know general stock market exposure mm-hmm. gold and i have that in the form of mining share index gdx as well as a little bit of physical metal not a lot but i've been looking at building that up because it looks like we're in a gold m- bull market right now and i expect that to continue mm-hmm. and then uh bitcoin naturally and ethereum a little bit less so but uh i consider ethereum viable long term and again and again my value there is Uh, if the crap hits the fan where our financial surface is going to be, it's going to be on Ethereum right now. Maybe one day it's on Bitcoin and there's some movements in that regard. Um, Let's see. I'm trying. So, and then, and then there's a lot of alternate assets, but I've I've grown in interest and I'm still trying to place them again, uh, wine and whiskey. So I've been working with an outfit in, in London for um, trading whiskey. My best Mm -hmm. return in 2022 was, was um, Scotch uh, all housed in London I did, I had, and I'm not talking about, um, realized, unrealized gains. I did trades and, oh. um, the average is about 20% return on each trade. And, you know, we're talking about an asset. And there's no volatility. It's just like, you know, you put, you put whiskey in a barrel and it just ages. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and it, and, you know, it just becomes rarer and rarer. And, um, I don't, I it, to me, it's almost like a miracle asset class, but, um, I'm not telling everyone to go out there and get some, but honestly, I, I'm having a hard time getting some now. It's like, I think people are onto it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just added wine through an outfit called Vino Vest in the United States. Uh just starting it, we'll see how it goes. i have actually done a little bit of trading. Um I have you know, I, I've been learning about wine. I mean, I've always drank wine, but I never drank fine wine or you know, investable wine. In fact, I never have today. I mean I, I'm just, you know, buying, you know, drinking from a four hundred dollar bottle is not really my norm. Mm-hmm. But um but uh but I own some and uh, they're all they're all actually housed in London as well. Um even though know, it's a US um it's a US firm, it's housed in London because that's where wine trading is. Um, and those are, those are, you know, wine and whiskey are great non-volatile assets. So like they tend to, you know, they get rarer as you go. Mm-hmm. I've been playing with rare, you know, fractional shares of even NFTs and, and exotic cars. And I think those markets are interesting. I think they're a little too illiquid to, to really make a return,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: they're also again non-volatile. So like, you know, the SB 500 is going down. Those, those are, they're going flat to up, um, mm-hmm. in, in the last couple of years. So just diversifying around, um, uh, you know, uh, and then I think, I think that I, I, I don't always think this way, but, um, uh, if you just have, if you're, you know, if you want to just be a, an investor that doesn't trade, um, you know, and, and you, um, you know, you want to take part in volatility when it happens, just lay out a plan, you know, maybe along the asset classes I share, maybe you take some in, take some out and just rebalance. And I tell you, I was, um, uh, so I have a friend in San Francisco that, um, she didn't, she, she wasn't clear about investing. I said, well, you know, check in with me every once in a while and I can you know help you. And I just gave her like a layout of, of ETFs, stock ETFs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, same kind of outlay I just gave you what stock exposures, big cap, small cap, and then, um, just a little bit of biotech. She's young. She's quite a bit younger than me. So she has, she can go a little more volatile in her mm-hmm. stock account. Told her to get a little bit of Bitcoin, but um, because because I was worried about her managing the security properly, told her not to go mm-hmm. crazy there um, and, and all of that. And, man, she's done fabulous. And I just said, well, you know, I literally sent me your portfolio by email. And I said, well, this one's getting heavy. You know, mm-hmm. let's put some of that over here. And honestly, that act of, you know, if you if you simply give yourself a plan, and I generally kind of have this, but I'm even bigger on this now. As I get older, is just say, okay, like I'm going to have, you know, 15% gold right now. Oh, let's bump that up because it's a full market in gold right now. Okay, so let's mm-hmm. take, bring that up to 25. And then on top of that, you know, uh, maybe when things vary by 5% uh, to your targets, just rebalance. Um, and you can go a long way. I mean, that's not exactly how I trade because I see too many opportunities on a short-term level. And then mm-hmm. often take that income and put it into my long-term. just, you know, you know, okay, I made, I just made, you know, let's say I made $5,000 in crypto in the last couple, couple of weeks. Okay, that, let's take that money. I want to keep that money, so let's put it over in wind. You know, where it's not volatile and I'm and my wine exposure is like a little bit low for the rest of my portfolio. So I'll do that a little bit. But the, the complication with me is I'm using short term money and then moving it over. Or sometimes I keep my short term money because I see more opportunities coming. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I'm a lot more complicated. But but for a, a simple, you know, just someone who doesn't really want to trade actively. I would just say for those people, if they take a crypto exposure into their portfolio, don't mess with shit coins. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you don't watch them, they will, they will screw you over, you know, mm-hmm. like all coins cannot, they can't be traded or invested in uh, unless you are watching them like a hawk. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many, how many shit coins have I owned that I, I did as a investment and they're down 98%. I mean, fortunately no big money for me because most of my money goes in Bitcoin ether, but I have a few of those, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, I, I like what they're trying to do, with star Atlas, I have a player in the game. Okay. They've never launched the game except for a couple trial i don't know know star atlas is on the solana chain okay the token i got the token at 20 cents and now it's point oh oh three. uh you know so i've got you know it's it's basically a game token for play to earn right like Mm -hmm. i'm actually interested in the game so i kept it but my position is down i mean i think it's like a thousand dollars after after all the return i got from their staking and all that stuff i think i'm down about a thousand dollars but um but, you know, it's just it's just like no altcoin has ever done much for anybody long term, mm-hmm, except nice. for maybe Ether, right? Like, I mean, name an altcoin that has repeatedly uh, outperformed Bitcoin. And Ether has barely, it's really not, if you look at versus 2018 peak, we're not. We're only mm-hmm. close to it, right? Or did we even breach it? And yeah. then I think BNB was the other one. BNB has solidly beat Bitcoin over many years. Will it do forever? You know, I don't know. It's, it's also got an ABC structure best i can tell so yeah i mean i just think people i think people should make it easy on themselves and just accumulate bitcoin ether and then just then turn twitter off and you know unless they want to trade unless they want to develop the skills then they're going to have to make it hard study and they're going to have to work on the craft and
2: mm-hmm. they're going to have to
1: turn off twitter also because most people on twitter are no good um, yeah. and they're going to they're going to have to get some mentors and they're going to you know anyway and you know, I can all—I don't want to overpromote, but I mean that's that's one thing we do. But I mean, but still, people need to just check it out, and then if it doesn't work for them, you know, it's all good. Mm-hmm. But
0: yeah, absolutely. You definitely have to uh, turn turn off the noise sometimes when it comes to investing and listening to too many. Like you said before, too much uh, too much output is a uh, not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, and uh, it's very interesting what you mentioned about the wine and the you know these kind of alternative investments. I feel like uh, now is a time when people. Maybe a kind of, you know, through technology, it's getting a lot easier to uh, get exposure to those. And yeah. it's definitely something interesting. Personally, I've been uh, thinking about watches as well.
2: I think oh, kind yeah, of, um, yeah.
0: Those those tend to be a quite, um, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can collect them and yeah. be quite good investments. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned kind of a couple of things already, uh, like the idea of uh, gold being in a bull market uh, yeah. rates, maybe going back to zero. Yeah. Uh could I get your take a little bit on uh how you feel about the macro environment moving forward, let's say in the next um, two years.
1: Yeah. I mean I think people should listen to to Lynn Alden. I mean she's mm-hmm. a, adjunct to our team. Uh I mean she's got her own thing going on, but she she pays a visit on our site occasionally. Um I mean she's she's brilliant. Um yeah, let me gather my thoughts. Cause that's not, that's really not beyond my expertise. I mean, I, I'm going to look at charts too. So I, mean, I do see a bond rally developing, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that's the market saying, you know, I mean, if you actually look at charts of short-term fed rates versus bonds, the longer bonds only have sort of a, uh, the, the, the tie to short-term rates is very secular versus, or cyclical versus the, you know, like being sort of word for word, like fed lowers rates. Long bonds, you know, go up. Like it isn't that Mm -hmm. one to one, or it might be a very brief correlate correlation. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, the only thing the Fed really controls is the short term rates. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so when you look at bonds, you have to really more watch watch the market. How is the market pricing bonds? Particularly, you know, for me, it's the the chart structure. And right now, we've got a a developing bond rally, which is going to lower rates in the. It's going to lower rate in mortgages. It's going to lower rate in um lower rates in because the at least in the u.s um the mortgage rates are tied to the 10-year bond as i understand mm-hmm. uh certainly i've seen I've watched, i'm buying a house so i've watched mortgage rates you know be pretty correlated to the 10-year bond um uh someone else can probably correct me it's oh it's actually a 20-year bond or five-year or whatever but um uh so i see that developing so i see mortgage rates coming down um it's a really interesting environment because you know i've been through the tech the the recession after the tech wreck I mean, I remember the recession after the in in the U.S. after the uh, the Iraq War, the first one, uh, and then because um, uh, yeah, I remember that, and I was um, ending high school at the time. And then I remember the one after the next one that was big to me was the tech wreck, and I actually lost my job after the tech wreck in two thousand. Took until like two thousand twenty three, I think, for me to actually lose my job, and or two thousand twenty two, and I got one maybe in, after six months um uh and then finally the financial crisis which um that allowed me to buy a house very cheap i remember um uh and then so so i'm just trying to think everyone is such a different character Mm -hmm. so if you listen to people right oh we're in recession or recession but really Mm -hmm. like we haven't seen any of the characteristics of the recession that i remember where people were losing their jobs i mean and, Mm -hmm. and, and the job losses now at least in the united states are our white collar. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can yeah. see me kind of dodging predictions about macro because it's really, I'm really not the person, but I find it incredibly fascinating. I think, and I think some of it, um, you know, the COVID thing, I, mean, I you know, I think some of the, some of the, some of the, we have some interesting, like we have, in, we have some, in, some of the inflation that the Fed is trying to fight is not monetary in nature. Mm -hmm. um because some of it is you know we go to a restaurant it's more expensive well a lot of at least on the west coast where i'm at a lot Mm -hmm. of the restaurants are immigrants they could be most of them are probably from mexico some from asia and you know we basically during covid cut the cut the immigration down big time even still um Mm -hmm. uh you know people people uh yell at biden for um, for his immigration policy because he's just letting everyone through the border. Well, it's not really true. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people at the border trying to get through, but it's unless they're jumping the wall themselves um, or, you know, or jumping through the gate themselves, um, it, it's a slow process at the border. Mm-hmm. And uh, we still have a lot of COVID era policies. And I don't remember, I don't know where we are in detail, but you can still see it. I mean, where I'm at, you can see it in the lack of construction workers. You can see it in the lack of, um, of you know, restaurants are always understaffed. Mm -hmm. and uh you know even even i mean we experienced some of it in the medical situation because covid burned out medical staff so it uh but then same time we got layoffs at google layoffs at amazon layoffs at facebook so the recession is at this kind of white collar level in the united states at least again i can't speak Mm for the globe and then and then and then we're seeing a little more for the first time some 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 wage power from from the lower level labor force. That's just a very interesting turning. I don't think we've given back uh the wage disparity that we've had in the United States that's been growing. In fact, I expect that continue to be a trend, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and maybe even more so as AI develops and all of that. But um yeah, I mean it's a weird environment. And you know, I, I'm purchasing this house. Well, I had to bid over, and I probably will, you know, I hope I, I don't pay for that. But I mean, when I we went there, we were um, we ha- we weren't even the highest bid. We just had better terms, mm-hmm. and but we had to you know up the saddle. I mean, it had come down, but um, but we, you know summer's coming and people are buying houses again, and that just has to do with the shortage of housing in the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so you have this weird difference of bad economic conditions with supply pinches, and you don't have you know. Is are we going to get to you know Are we going to get to a really bad spot where? People lose their jobs, but prices don't come down because we've got bad supply situation, right? Mm. On all yeah. fronts, whether it be from houses, you know, or eventually are we going to see the houses come down? You know, it, I, it's, a weir- it's a weird one. Now, okay, okay, let's talk Bitcoin, right? Um, mm. I think that, especially on Twitter, and I think even macro people uh, give macro way too much credit to actual pricing in markets. Mm-hmm. And I, I I found it really funny that people would make assumptions about Bitcoin prices on Mike back on Micro. Well, Bitcoin hasn't existed in any 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 hit point in history that is like this. How can we yeah. ever say so much? And it got a little ridiculous. As okay, you know, from my perspective, okay, we you know, I figured that sixteen thousand. The way it was going, 15, breaking 15, 500, I expected to keep going. So freely admit that. But of course, at some point, I'm very good at turning around and saying, nope, I was absolutely wrong there. Um, uh, you know, okay, we broke my support, but only by 500 bucks. And then we came back up. Okay, I gotta, I gotta give respect to price action. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but even still, like three weeks ago, I was hearing podcasts saying, you know, here, here at so and so podcast, we're here to help you through the bear market. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, is it a bear market? <laughs> are you sure? And I'm not. And I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying whether it is or not when I'm making that question. I'm saying, mm-hmm. are you looking at price at all, or are you yeah. still looking at the economy and assuming mm-hmm. that the economy is playing into, playing into, um, playing into Bitcoin prices in some way that you actually mm-hmm. have no historical, pers- no historical backing for expecting this or that because mm-hmm. we just haven't seen Bitcoin exist in this environment yeah so,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's not logical like i mean you know uh, i uh i think there is valid validity in like excess liquidity you know when the market has a lot of liquidity it kind of mm-hmm. finds itself into bitcoin right that's yeah. all that's all like those are all good theories but until you have a historical way of assessing uh price forecast expectations mm-hmm. based on your macro reads liquidity et cetera, it's just theory it really is just it really is just theory and um you know i mean i've just seen it i've seen it over and over people are saying okay uh, the fed you know if the, you know if the feds raise rates again bitcoin's going down mm-hmm. well they haven't stopped raising rates but bitcoin is up almost 100 mm-hmm. percent off of the low right almost i mean it actually did get to 100 percent. right or yeah yeah, yeah.
0: it did double yeah, in price uh, yeah
1: yeah pete's mm-hmm. trough so yeah. wait, what are we talking? So what are we saying about, you know, the race didn't, the race never came down, I mean, you know?
0: True. I mean, there's definitely other narratives coming into play. I think, especially at the beginning of that year, one of the big macro narratives coming in at that point was uh, not about sort of the U.S. liquidity, but rather global liquidity. Sure. So I know like the uh, Bank of China was uh, at one point did a bit of a like, they you know lowered their their interbank yeah. lending rates. So there was, and you know, if you look at the charts in theory, so the global liquidity did go up a little bit. So to an extent, there is that there was a bit of a correlation, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, but we I have seen I, it before, right? Go I mean, ahead, no, keep
1: on, keep on. Yeah, go keep on. I don't want to interrupt.
0: No, you say, I mean, Bitcoin, it's not that's. I mean, obviously, it's a very young asset, but we did get some kind of a correlation. Obviously, there was the COVID crash, Bitcoin crash. I mean, and then obviously, with all the QE and the liquidity, it went up. I mean, I think this is something that for me, as someone who does use a lot of uh, Elliot wave theory as well, but I always find like you have to ground a little bit on the macro as well. I know yeah. that, for example, I don't know about yourself, but Avi Gilbert is uh, very adamant always about talking about how basically the events just, you know, completely uncorrelated within the charts, uh, guiding everything now. Obviously, again, as someone who does use Elliott wave theory, I do find that sometimes a little bit hard to believe. Yeah. Like hard to kind of, uh, you know, put those two together. I don't know
1: how yeah. you feel about that. Well, it um sorry, sorry, repeat because I had somebody text me it was important. S- state what you said again. Like, what do you have a hard time putting together? Um the that idea
0: directly. that you know kind of the the moves like in Bitcoin or stocks can be just completely unrelated to the to the events, like whether yeah. it be like something macro or maybe like uh, stock earnings. And I know that Avi Gilbert, for example, is always very adamant. He's saying, Oh well look, the market did said this, but actually, yeah, you know, price went another way. But, you know there i i find that there are some correlations especially you know sometimes when you look at for example yeah when obviously after covid when we got all that stimulus bitcoin did go up was that because of excess liquidity well you know perhaps you know there's there's an argument I think to be a, made there
1: but i think the question is can you trade that correlation so i you know i made a long article around i made a whole article for my own subscribers called correlating and Corre- or is it correlating and correlating and was a correlation and correlating or something? I don't know. It had some other, it was another C word. It it worked at the time. Um, and the question is not to me whether correlation exists or not. Mm-hmm. It does. Okay? okay. The question to me is whether you can use it for a trading edge. Okay. Okay. So like if you, if you, you know, it's like, again, like you go, go to earnings. Okay. Like earnings for stocks, every stock investor knows that earnings is a big deal for every single stock. Right and how many times have uh have we had uh you know bearish earnings and chart flies mm-hmm. or yeah. bullish earnings and the chart dumps mm-hmm. right and and for the life of me no one no talking head or person that's focused only on the event themselves has any re- any way of explaining it except making it up mm-hmm. i mean i just can and i'm not and it's obvious that the earnings was important because it mm-hmm. moved the market but it, but if you had sat there and made assumptions by the earnings estimate, uh, you know maybe someone inside the company going very very deep could have uh, cheap. But I've even found the most silliest explanations for why this you know bullish earnings, you know bullish earnings went. The talked of oh there was some little sentence in the CEO's thing where you know mm-hmm. oh that must have been what dumped the stock. Okay, that's silly. It really is. And so uh, it, you know and so the I, I think I, I I agree that correlation is a thing but um but again, the question is whether you can get a trading edge on it and um and they, I mean the other problem you know like let's take let's take bitcoin correlation
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so in two thousand eighteen, at least my subscribers, and I think generally on Twitter people said it was correlated the s mm-hmm. okay? and p five hundred okay
2: good, and then, as
1: we went into like uh I don't remember what it was in two thousand and nineteen, maybe still s p five hundred and, and as we went into two thousand twenty one I started hearing the nasdaq, okay. Mm-hmm. As we started to go into um, late 2021, 2022, it was the US dollar index. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't even know what people are saying in terms of correlation now. But if you're doing that, as, this year it's SP 500. This year it's um, NASDAQ. This year it's the DXY. Mm-hmm. Now it's whatever. Whatever it's maybe it's bank failures that are correlated to. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't have a strategy. Right. To be honest. If that's your macro... That's not very macro because you're changing it by you're basically looking at statistics and saying what's correlated right now, and that has no predictive qualities going into the future since it's going to change anyway, right? Mm -hmm. That's my problem. That's what the problem with like I mean if like I mean I I, you know I don't know if you're very well versed in the the lumber correlation to stock. So when lumber comes down. It correlates to, to, it's actually a leading indicator of stock market crashes. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. uh, I think it's Michael Gaied. Michael Gaied, you can find him on Twitter, takes the 13 week, 13 week average mm-hmm. rate of change of lumber over gold. And when that, when, it, when the rate of change goes under zero, um, he, he, he at least hedges or something like that. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. It's pretty good. That's a weird correlation that has a lot of historical. Mm-hmm. Validity, it's not perfect, it'll lose you money sometimes, and all of that, but it has played out for many, many decades. My problem with any kind of Bitcoin correlation is they've proved to be very temporal, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and 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 so, uh, if it's that temporal and you and it's not solid, uh, that has a high risk of losing you a heck of a lot of money,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and so that that's that, that it, I mean, that's basically that's basically. And, you know, and then and then again, I would maintain that events often are held by the market in a way you would not no longer expect. And you'd have to be able to predict when the market's going to take this or that again rate interest rate interest rates. Okay. Yeah. Bitcoin was coming down as interest rates are going up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Interest rates are still going up and Bitcoin is going up. Mm -hmm. Right. So when, when does when when was the shift between the two regimes, right? Like when was the shift between the two mm-hmm. correlation? and who can tell me why that shifted? You know, mm-hmm. and I haven't found a satisfactory answer. Now, I don't really care. I don't really care about the answer because right. I just trade price action. Mm-hmm. But uh, I find a great benefit in just saying, okay, whatever, thanks for telling me that they're correlated like that. Obviously, it doesn't work that well. <laughs> you know, I never worried about it, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's just, you know, that's, that's the, I think that's, I mean, Avi will put it in probably more crass terms. But I prefer to kind of unpack it and go. Let's take it to the strategic level mm-hmm. and say, is this meaning? Is it is it useful for trading? Is it useful yeah. for making? Money? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I care about. I, I mean, I think when you look at Lynn Alden's work, you get a lot of like portfolio. She takes a macro mm-hmm. view, and then we'll we'll give like kind of. Uh, I, I don't know if she does it for free, but I've seen them where she does. This is the macro view of portfolio. Mm-hmm. This is this is the allocation. Okay and it's meant to weather through a lot of noise as i understand mm-hmm. you know and um you know with that allocation that makes sense to me based on what sh- you know that macro view but when you get down to event correlation again like interest rates very predictable i don't know when it is like pretty soon we're going to have another interest rate decision right
2: mm-hmm.
1: most likely it's going to be up we can go look at the fed futures um right. fed futures determine what's going to go up uh if you if you had if you had shorted Bitcoin based on um, the last few feds decision points, you would have lost a lot of money. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and th- those are, th- that's my criticism of it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I I definitely agree with what you say about it not being able to, it not being like a good trading strategy, right? Not something that yeah. you can uh, yeah. work into a framework, yeah. but to that extent, I, I still, I would have trouble to say, for example, well, you no, know, Bitcoin's going to rally even though, like, the U.S. recession. There's going to be a huge recession, and stocks are going to plummet. Yeah. But somehow, Bitcoin's going to still rally. That would surprise yeah. me a lot. Yeah,
1: I, I just, I just divorce myself from mm-hmm. anything right. that doesn't apply to strategy. Like, if I can't form a, a strategy out of it, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just out of my, you know. And no, don't get me wrong. Like, I do zoom out and say, like, I, I, I deal. I just look at my portfolio risk at a high level and say, how exposed am I? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of late, especially with the rally that we have, I see my crypto exposure is a little overheated, mm-hmm. right? right? When I buy a house, I'm going to feel a little overheated on real estate exposure, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to be looking to balance that. I mean, gold are going to be good options. I think bonds are actually pretty good because, the, the, in, because the yield is pretty high mm-hmm. and the potential for mm-hmm. principal increases there. Maybe we, Maybe the bonds go a little lower, but at some point in time, we're going to hit a limit on that. You know, so, so I look at it, that portfolio, you know, maybe that's not dissimilar to Lynn and how she looks at it on a macro perspective. I don't really know because I haven't gotten inside her head that way, but, but, um, but that's very different from looking at the next event tomorrow, today. I mean, what about the, you know, CPI and the PPI in the United States? I mean, I have a, I have a great trade for the CPI and PPI and that's just fade the first move. I do it all the time. Yeah. You get, you get, a, you get an inflation announcement. Okay, I don't care which way it goes. It goes, and then I see a little reversal. And once I can get a stop under that reversal, I fade it. And man, it doesn't always work, but it it it, it's, it works really well most of the time. That's usually in the s and 500. It's usually not in, or might be in gold, but usually it's not in crypto. But I do it every once in a while in crypto as well. Because you just get that volatility, and, and often that volatility just uh, breaks. It, it falters after after like even like five minutes sometimes, sometimes 15 minutes. And a lot of money can be made pretty quickly. But that's that's about as far as I go. That's that that's the trading strategy for CPI, and I'm not suggesting to try that at home. But that's the that's as far as I go because then I just wait for price action to settle down. Let's figure out what trend it's going to be on. Is it going to reverse the larger trend or is it going to continue on the trend that we have? Um, which right now is uh, right now we've been correcting over the last couple of weeks, but the larger trend is up almost, mm-hmm. um, since since fifteen five hundred. And so those are the only questions I ask, and I often I often dodge the event because if one thing could be said events are catalysts for volatility mm-hmm. right yeah. i would say volatility volatility and events is correlations nearly one to one at least certain events right earnings PPI, mm-hmm. cpi um uh fed funds okay respect that 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 gives me a lot of op- opportunities and options where you can mm-hmm. short volatility i do a lot of shorting volatility in, into the cpi and then shorting vo- implied volatility not not realized volatility and, and then, and then, you know, even fading the first move and all that stuff, those are, those are how I use earnings. But then after the events, let's see how price action settles in. And then we can start, you know, seeing if we need to adjust our bets or mm-hmm. for, the, for the swing trade or, if, so they are very important markers to me, but I don't have a preloaded strategy. Assuming this is what we're going to do. I'm always a observe, wait and see. Let's see what the market wants to do with this action, and then, and then, and then carry through. Mm-hmm. If that makes
0: sense? Yeah. No. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, there's always a way to retroactively kind of explain things away in that way, and then sometimes there's no uh, reason for s- movements, and yep. Bitcoin's yep. one. I mean, yep. just uh, we got a, some pretty wild movements. When was it? Back on Wednesday or Thursday? We, we got that big yep. rally. Yep. I don't. Yeah. And what was 29. that? I have no idea
2: still. Was, it, was there any know, apparently,
0: apparently the government was selling some Bitcoin? I I heard on Twitter. I don't know. But that that, that came
1: out like days before. So why did it happen <laughs> that day? Yeah. I, I don't know. It beats me. Yeah, I mean, if the U.S. government, the U.S. government had sold like mm-hmm. the week before or something like that, I can't remember exactly when it came out. Um, I think it was was it Silk Road or something? I don't remember, yeah. but oh, it was days before.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was some weird action, but yeah, I still haven't. No one's explained it to me. I mean, and I don't need explanation. It just is what it is. Like. Now let's let us settle out. I think we're still going lower short term,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: unless we break over the recent highs. Of course, then I gotta look up. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm not. I'm actually right now the action I don't like, so I'm not making hard positions. But if we get a little bit lower into uh, 21, 22, 21, I certainly will start to get a little aggressive on the long side, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. carefully, yeah. not not any leverage or anything like that until the trend changes. But um, but uh, like I yeah, just being very cautious. If we start, if we turn up over. What is it like? Tuesdays high, whatever that high was. We turn over that, then Mm -hmm. maybe maybe need to watch for you know. I'll watch for pullback. See, I mean, often when you break over a high level like that, you know, and you think you're gonna run and go, you Mm -hmm. fail again. But you know, if you start to put it, you put another higher high in, Mm -hmm. and you know, you set up for for going and and uh, and and, you know, you find some stability and then and they can keep running. So in that in those pullbacks, it's usually often when I trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most
0: absolutely. And yeah, you got to be. I mean, when Bitcoin gets bullish, I mean, well, so far the, the pullbacks we've had have been pretty shallow, and we've had quick yep. reversals so far. So,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: got to watch out for that. All right, well, we've covered a lot. I'm just going to ask you one more question, and then I'll let you go. Okay. Um, you recently went to the Money Show in Las Vegas.
2: Yeah,
0: yep. uh, I would just love to know how that was. Uh, maybe what the sentiment was there, and just mm. anything interesting from that experience. I was actually, you know,
1: I was actually surprised how many people I had. Um now now to put in perspective, I've been in the money show, I've gone to the money show since 2018. Mm-hmm. So I'm a regular speaker, uh, virtual or um or in person often in Vegas cuz I'm west coast, easiest to go to. Also, um I would say the crypto talks are more popular in Vegas. Maybe it's the gambling or whatever. <laughs> in Vegas, I don't know. Um but uh like in 2018 uh I, you know, we were just after the top in 2017. The whole entire room was packed. People had to stand. And ever since then, they've dwindled down. And um, but I was surprised how many. They gave me a very large room. Uh, on um, well, I I spoke at the floor, the open floor, mm-hmm. uh, Monday, and every seat was filled. It wasn't a lot of seats. It wasn't a huge. It, w- it was just a little stage area on the open exhibit floor. It's pretty, uh, so it was pretty filled. Um, the Money Show tends to run older, so. Mm-hmm. That, that's the other thing is um i mean i you get some some 20s kit 20 somethings every once in a while but most of them are retirees that show up there so they're not you know they're not going to be you know buying pepe you know <laughs>
2: uh,
1: you hope not right you have know, pepe or eight uh, coin or whatever you would hope not <laughs> they buy it at the right time you know <laughs> sure but yeah but you but you you know unless they have some expertise and want to get in and out get in and out you hope hope not with their retirement funds anyway um uh and then and then uh i had a so I, that was a free talk and then uh, i don't get paid to talk at the money show but there was a a, a talk that they charged for in mm-hmm. um in the uh, room and i and i and i followed behind a guy that was selling oil wells uh or shares of oil wells um that that he had been prospecting with his company mm-hmm. and i mean they were like 100,000 dollar investments or something like that i don't remember and there was you know like 15 people and then when i took got my stuff prepared on stage literally his crowd cleaned out and then I had like three people in there Uh, (laughs) and it was a giant room that could have held like 150. I was like, Oh great. Well, eventually before I started going, I probably got to about 30 people, which was about Mm -hmm. as most as as I can expect. Um, again, older crowd. So I was surprised by that. that. That was a long way of saying, I was surprised by how many people I had in that, in that talk that, you know, they were actually paying, um, a lot of good questions. I would say overall, most of the questions were from people that didn't seem like they had ever traded crypto. Mm-hmm. So we're curious. It wasn't like, you know, it, it, I can tell the crowd's more experienced when they say, Hey, what about, you know, ApeCoin?" you know, like whatever they, they talk about some obscure altcoin cause they're obviously bored with Bitcoin or something like that. Um, or you get very advanced talks like, "Okay, how do you secure your wallets and all of that? Like, what do you do Ryan for staying secure um, you know you know I, you know I got a couple questions about the FTX thing of course, so I would say that we've got a lot of crypto curious people and that's good given we've come off um we've come off the bottom you know a hundred percent almost or close to it at least to the to the recent peak um fifteen five hundred to you know what was it it was around thirty one or something like that so it's pretty close and then um you know and I think the question is you know the you know the retail audience is always fickle especially the 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 um the ones that are, you know, uh, already not into crypto and haven't traded regularly, like if they're in a crypto curious stage, all mm-hmm. you need is a fifty percent drop, and they you know, they're not coming back until right. it's at a high, you know. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, when Bitcoin was at sixty in the sixty thousands, my Facebook messages were popping up: "Hey, it's too late to get into Bitcoin." No, you know, I I was like, was like you know, well, you're a little late now, um, you know, and 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 you know, the, none of these people are asking me when we were down at fifteen five whether they can get in or not. Mm -hmm. you know so um so it's just that's i mean that's the way the money show works it's part of that crowd it's uh it rolls with sentiment in fact you know even in the bear market they cut back the crypto talks i mean i think people need Mm -hmm. need the crypto talks in in the bear market but um but they cut it back you know i think people need to prepare for the bull market when you're in a bear market right that's that's kind of
0: your buy signal isn't it when when they cut out the crypto that's that's you want to be buying
1: yep exactly I mean, another buy signal, someone texts me and go, hey, Ryan, are you doing okay? You know, like we're down to 5,500. I'm getting texts like, hey, are you still in the business? Are you okay? You know, like, No, I'm doing fine because I manage risk, you know. But uh, anyway, it's just
2: funny. Yeah, it's funny how that goes. All right, but well, yeah. Ryan,
1: um,
0: it's been great having you on the show. Uh, like I said, I've been following your your work and Avi's for a while, so it's been uh, great to uh, have the chance to pick your brain for – This time. Um, Before we get off, uh, just let everyone know where they can find you.
1: Yeah. um, You know, I think um, if you're really curious about what I do, uh, follow me on Twitter, R W I L D A Y. And then I do a public webinar. Um, I try to hit the third Saturday of every month as best I can, but I'll give a little indication about where it's going. It's a free webinar. You get a flavor. This is what I do every week for subscribers. Go through Bitcoin, Ether, a bunch of charts, and I go through a bunch of altcoins, which are selected. Um, so, crypto equities, and then I usually often talk strategy. So, check that out. Um, and then uh, and then it, I'll, I always say, you know, you go to my profile on Twitter if you want to try the service. Um, and on L8 Wave Trader, we do it without any credit cards. So, you, mm-hmm. you can just sign up, email, password, and then if it's not for you, two weeks, two weeks you, you have to ante up, um, but you get every single service stocks futures, all of the, uh, the quant signals we have, all of that for two weeks. And then, um, you know, again, no one's, no one's calling you up and saying, Hey, pony up. It's not a high pressure thing. You know, it either mm-hmm. works for you or it doesn't. Um, but, um, you know, I've, I've had people that have been with me since 2017 when we started. So check it out. Um, Twitter again, like I said, uh, LA, Or if you go through seeking alphas, um, uh, marketplace services and then that's crypto waves, so that's the other way to find
2: us so great well once again ryan thanks for coming on it was great you talking all, to right. You. all right all right all right bye bye everyone